the Bible Study Podcast, episode 593. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of Mark with chapter 4. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with Chapter 4. Before we do, I'd like to welcome new listeners to the show. We had a record month for downloads for the Bible Study Podcast in January here of 2019 of 45,000 downloads. So thanks so much and welcome. We're going to talk about the parable of the sower today is the first thing in Mark 4. Now, I said that Mark doesn't talk as much about Jesus' teaching, but Mark 4 does. And so this is one of those great chances we get a chance to learn more about what Jesus is teaching about. This particular parable, the parable of the sower, is included in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is not included in John, but anytime something is included in all of them, it probably means it's pretty important. The parable of the sower. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So Jesus is teaching the crowd, but he's teaching them with a parable. And a parable is interesting because in this particular case, he does not explain to the crowd. He will soon explain to the twelve what he's talking about. And you have to wonder, when you're listening to Jesus in this case, what you think he is talking about. Is he giving you guidance for how to plant your seed? Well, if he is, it's rather poor guidance. If you think about this farmer, this farmer is really wasting a lot of seed. He is throwing seed on soil that is not prepared. He is throwing seed on paths. He's throwing seed among the rocks. He didn't take up the thorns before he did it. So this is, by first evidence, bad farming technique. So it's quite possible that what Jesus is talking about is not how to farm, which is what the disciples want to know. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Do you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred times what was sown. I had a chance to go over this particular parable with the kids that I teach at Juvenile Hall. For those of you who haven't been listening long, I teach a Bible study on Tuesday nights with the Correction Institute Chaplaincy, which is the chaplaincy program for Santa Clara County, where I live, uh, which I'm also on the board for, but I teach in a lockdown unit for violent youth offenders. And I was using this particular parable, and so I stopped, as Jesus did, and said, what do you think this means, and let them guess. And uh, actually, the second time I taught it, I taught it twice this week, one kid guessed, so I'm guessing he had heard this before, because it's hard to know by just hearing Jesus' words what's going on. But he's talking about four different types of soil, and those four different types of soil being four different types of people, four different types of hearts, if you will. And the word is being sown, the word of God, the good news. And the first one, the path, it's just not even taking root. As soon as we hear it, it goes away. There's no reaction at all. And if you think about a path, the path is where people have been walking and it becomes downtrodden, it becomes hardened. And I think people also get hardened. And often they get hardened because they are downtrodden. They've just been crushed by life. And they stop listening. And it's sad, but it is the state of some people that when they hear the word of God, they just immediately, it doesn't penetrate. It says Satan comes and takes it away. Others says it's sown among rocks. They receive it with joy, but they can't get root. And it only lasts a short time. Now, since we're talking about people, we're not talking about physical roots. So what are the roots that we have? Well, think what a root does in a plant. A root connects you to the nutrients that the plant needs. The water, the minerals, and all those sorts of things come up the roots. So if it's not being nourished, it will die. If it's not being connected to these streams of water, it will die. And I think that's part of what we have here is if if we don't connect, if we don't connect to God on a regular basis, then we don't have roots. And times will come that will be difficult. And it's more difficult in those times if we haven't gotten those those roots. And, And habits would be one of the things I would think about. Practices, whether it be prayer or attending worship regularly or whatever they would be, reading the Bible, listening to Bible study podcasts is a good thing to do. I was talking to the kids about this, and I said, if I went to work out, which is something they can relate to, went over here to the weights that are in this unit, and I did you know, as much as I could do, but I didn't do anything again, would I get strong? And the answer is no, because you can't just do it once. You can't just listen to one Bible study. You can't just pray once. You have to develop these 
connections to the one who will sustain us. And those are those roots. And these people in this second group didn't. And it meant that they couldn't get through the tough time. The third group is interesting because the third group is sown among thorns. And as we said, this is not good farming practice to not take out the thorns first, to not take out the weeds, because the weeds are going to take all of the moisture, going to take all of the sunlight, are going to crowd out this crop. And what is crowding out in this case, in the lives of these people, it's not that they hear the word of life and they reject it. It's just that it gets crowded out. It gets crowded out by the worries of this life. And I liked this phrase, the deceitfulness of wealth. What is the deceitfulness of wealth? I happen to like wealth. I think wealth is quite useful. But I think the false promise of wealth is if I just had, and then you could fill in that, if I just had this much money, then everything would be okay. If I just had this, I could be happy. If I just had, and I think that's the deceitfulness of wealth. It can certainly make things easier, absolutely, but it doesn't solve some things in our life. certainly solves some problems, but there is a deceit there too. If we're putting our hope in, I will be happy when, and we're looking towards that, then we're moving away from, if we put our hope in God, and I will be happy when I am right with God. And so it gets choked out, making it unfruitful. But the other falls on good soil, and it accepts, it hears the word, and it produces a crop. We talked about in Mark how much of Mark's message seems to be called to do, right? Called to come fishers of men, called, as Peter's mother-in-law is called out of bed and then comes and waits on the people. And here it said we're called to be productive. Now, what does productive mean? We have to think about what God wants. God doesn't want it just to be you, me, and him. God wants all to come to him. There's no better proof than that, I think, than when Jesus talks about God's farming strategy of throwing the seed everywhere, even on places that are not readily going to receive it. God desires that all come to him. This chapter continues on a lamp on a stand. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Two different things there. Let's talk about the lamp. I think about the lamp as I think about the becoming productive, producing 30, 60, 100 times, that the gift of God that is given to us, the word of God that is given to us is meant to be shared, that we are intended to share that light that we get. The second one is a little more difficult. The measure you get, it will be measured to you, is easier to understand. That sounds almost like the Eastern philosophy of karma. If you do good things, good things will happen to you. Or the golden rule, do unto others before, do unto others as you want them to do to you. It sounds like that. But that last part there, whoever has will be given more, whoever does not have what they have will be taken away from them. Sounds mean. It sounds weird. And I think one of the reasons it sounds weird is my thoughts as an American immediately go to stuff. 
you know, whoever has stuff, what they have, will they'll get more stuff. That may not be the most important thing to God, the stuff we have. Maybe it is that faith we have. Maybe he's talking about those types of soil again, those who are growing and those who are letting other things choke out their faith. The parable of the growing seed, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whenever he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. It is very true. Everything he says here is true, but it's a little more difficult how to apply this. But what he's describing here is a mystery, the mystery of faith, but also this mystery of how does a seed work? Because probably most people who were farmers in those times had not been through a biology class and didn't know exactly the mechanisms, but they knew how it worked and they knew what to expect. And I think that's kind of the sense that I get for this is that God is working, but sometimes it's mysterious and yet also predictable, perhaps. The parable of the mustard seed, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. And so he talks about this mustard seed, this smallest thing that grows. And our faith also, no matter where you are now, no matter how small your faith may be now, your faith can grow and become something majestic. And lastly, Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The interesting part of this story is that the disciples are terrified when there is the wind and the waves, and they're terrified even more, it sounds like, when Jesus calms them, because they start to realize that he may not be who they thought he was. He may not be just a good teacher. This is someone who has a power and authority even over the wind and the waves, even over whatever circumstances we find ourselves in this week. And I pray you will remember that this week. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening.
Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.